Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Evan. And I'm Chad. And you're joining us today for our recap and discussion of The Assassin's Blade, book zero in the Throne of Glass I series. I call it 3.5. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I'd say book zero, but I also, I mean, we could call this a prequel novella series. I think that's, yeah. but it's kind of a mouthful. Uh, yeah, okay, so, hmm. I think zero is the right word, though, because I think you would be aided to read it before any of them. Now that I've read what I think I have. so. I, I yeah. feel like we probably could have started with this book and it really wouldn't have given that much away at no, all. No, it would have helped like understand Sam like in the relationship there because sure. he gets referenced yeah. a bunch, you know? Yeah, I mean, it was it was cool to see Sam, but also at the same time, it was kind of a huge bummer to see Sam uh, yeah. also. So that was pretty, uh, that, was, that was its own thing. I knew it was coming, but was yeah, still somehow surprised. It was very abrupt and it was really much more abrupt. intense than I thought it was going to be. And and like at the same time, like not, right? I it know, just like I know. happened. Yeah, I, I, and, and I have then the I was same like, exact. I was yeah. left just empty. In this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I can totally see why reading this between books two and three makes sense. Uh, I've also seen people say you need to read it after Air of Fire, which is book book three, and between Air and Fire and Queen of Shadows, I think is book four. I don't know. I, th I feel like we should have just started with it. I think it would have been fine. And I, th I think that maybe like there's some things that are hinted at, but nothing that's like super overtly like said that would really spoil that much. Even, totally, yeah. even like the spoiler at the end of the second book, it wasn't even this thing where I was like, oh, my God. I was just like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll, we'll just pile that on like the giant pile that is everything Selena is amazing at. So, I mean, see, I, don't I guess even know being a queen isn't really a skill. what you're talking but... about. Uh, her being like the lost queen of Terrace and you know oh, I mean? yeah, like, oh, like yeah, the second book. Mentioned. I thought you were talking about the a, second short story. Yeah. And I was like, what did we learn? No, 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 no. There's, there's a there's a part, uh, and I think it's like the it's like the fourth or fifth novella where Sam and Selena are talking, and Selena's like, You don't understand who I really am. And he's just like, oh, Well, yeah. I love you no matter what, so it doesn't matter. And it's like, Sam, you should she definitely know this, actually. Totally. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's not like overtly. She's not like, I am the lost queen of Terrace. Well, she mentions like Having have done something too, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before that's clearly bad that she was ashamed about. Uh, did I have we learned and I've forgotten? Or do I don't we not think know we yet? really have. Yeah. Okay. I think, good. Good. I think you you had talked about the way that her parents died, and I really hope we get like even more like clarity on that because yeah. you had mentioned in one of the episodes like that she might have done it, and I was like, no, she was like nine years old or whatever. That's kind of the idea that I got because like we've been treated to one memory so far where she like woke up laying or she's like in her parents bed covered in their yeah. blood with their dead bodies, which mm -hmm. is what led me to think like maybe she like trained too hard and like when I had like a fugue state assassin, like murder spree, you know, and accidentally did it. So I don't know, but uh, I am interested to learn more and I'm glad that it wasn't something that I just forgot. Yeah. I can also see why this was made into its own book. Uh, I, I mean, I was pretty happy to realize that these novellas were all in chronological order. Yeah, and kind of linked. It kind of just felt like one big long book, actually. I Straight mean, there up. was some definite, um, I don't know, some fairly small like time skips and stuff. But yeah, they kind of picked up like immediately after. <laughs> yeah, even one of them says it was, it was like a very short amount of time later or something like that. But uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, this is definitely like my least favorite, I think, of the three so far that we've read. Uh, the my favorite so far has been crown of midnight for sure the second book absolutely i don't know i mean i like the desert part of this a lot the uh, the red desert like the assassin of the desert yep my favorite part too totally yeah oh really yeah that was well that was in the cool. end i liked yeah, i liked I the emotional say, like wolf that hit you yeah you know? i think some parts of this were like 
little like boring and kind of overwritten you know what i mean like there are just some parts of it where it's just like what is going on right now like this is definitely dragging you remember how um during akatar we talked about sometimes it kind of felt like there was just like grocery shopping like the old like besides the interplay character relationship part of the story which is granted like the most important part what the books are about like the actual like plot felt like them just like getting stuff and i kind of felt this was just like things happening just like i don't know i didn't really feel like the the connected to what was actually yeah yeah Yeah. the weight of it all i did with the first one with like the the slave ships and the pirates and stuff and like the whole end sequence of the first one i was like ah this is awesome like i I was really into it and then like the desert stuff was pretty cool but i was kind of like what is going on right now like you know the stuff with like ansel and stuff and then like i kind of called that and then i kind of called the fourth one like the assassin and the underworld like where it was like oh it was actually this other person the whole time i was like yeah of course it was (laughs) like but we just do the recap because we have a lot of stuff to talk about with these but i you know i still i'm i'm motivated to keep reading this series i will say I was just kind of bummed out about this book because I feel like it kind of ripped us away from what was kind of becoming a lot more complex and interesting of a plot with this the actual series. Plot I feel wise. like we should have just read this first. Yeah, I think some people told us to. The only, I think the gains would be bigger than the losses, but the only slight thing that I might say that if you started with this one is it would really define her character by like the trauma that she went through at the very end of this book, this, you know, the final story in this novella series. And that though it is like definitional, it was kind of nice to have like her not have that in that baggage in my brain when I got to know her, when I met her initially, you know, she was just like, nothing but this strong assassin overcoming like the darkness of her past. It wasn't like a, I wasn't the, the um, like close, my closeness to her trauma wasn't so like fresh and raw. And I wasn't like, hmm. Whoa, okay. She's got to get over. She's got, she's suffering so hard right now. You know, I didn't have that to define her. So maybe it helped me see her a little more. I think I would have rather just known about it. <laughs> Cause it explains like I said, so I think much. gains are bigger yeah. than losses. Yeah. Sure, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's do the recap. Okay. Let's do it. The first story begins with Selena in class, and she is annoyed with Sam, who is in turn frustrated at always being second best to Selena. The assassins are all in class waiting on a late student, and wondering if the tardy student has been caught. They quickly learn of Ben's death, the seventh and final member of Arobin's inner circle. Arobin is the self-proclaimed king of assassins and master of the assassin school. Selena gets mad at Sam, claiming he should have been skilled enough to bring home Ben's body, though Sam claims if she would have been there, the result would have been no different. The two almost come to blows, and they are forced to separate. She promises the class as she storms out that she will retrieve Sam's body. Our timeline fast-forwards two months and eight days later, and Selena is waiting with Sam, mask concealing her features, as they both wait the Pirate Master, their current client, on the Dead Isles home of the pirates. Three assassins have been found dead by pirate hands, and Sam and Selena have been sent by Arabin to get revenge and teach those who kill assassins that their lives come at a price. Selena begins rummaging through the pirate lord's desk as her and Sam wait. Sam is uncomfortable and tells her to stop, but she continues, plopping down on the pirate lord's chair and putting her feet on his desk. The pirate lord comes in, surprising her, and finds her in his chair. She sees a magical map tattoo on his hand. The pirate lord attempts to get her to take off the mask and commands her out of his chair. The situation tenses as the two face off. Sam says her name under his breath and she allows the tension in the air to ease, 
and she gives up the chair and sits on the other side. They present him with documents from their master, which demands payment from Rolf. Rolf says the terms are fair and the trade agreement will work. The slave shipment will be ready in two days. Selena is upset with her master trading in slaves. The two are sent to their rooms to stay for the evening and efficiently search the room, securing the room's exits and windows. The following morning, Selena leaves, telling Sam that she wants to talk to the pirate lord alone. After finding the pirate lord, she walks with him to the docks. She asks to examine the slaves and he agrees to let her when they arrive the following day. He also invites her to examine his own shipment of slaves coming in that evening. She returns to their room and Sam questions her, trying to learn what she is planning on. They attend dinner later that night, and Sam follows her to the slave, examining, pretending as if he had been invited. She sees women and children amongst the slaves and is revolted at the spectacle. One slave, who we learn has been especially difficult, is tied up, his body showing signs of a recent savage beating. She asks about where the children's slaves go, and Rolf says they try to keep them with their families, but they ultimately have no choice on the auction block if different purchasers separate the children from mother or father. She leaves visibly upset. On the way back to their room, Sam confronts her, asking what her plan is. They get into a physical altercation, Sam pinning her to the ground. Overcome with emotion, she tells him of her plan to free the slaves. Sam tries to talk her out of it, but she is resolute in her cause and eventually persuades him to join her. Sam brings up some important questions, asking why they were sent away for a simple slave purchase in the first place, suggesting that Arabin might have wanted them gone for some reason. She says that they can trust Arabin, knowing the words to be empty lies even as she speaks them. The two fall asleep that night, plotting the best way to achieve success, before putting their plan into action once night falls. At the proper time, she takes out the guards aboard one pirate slave ship, barely avoiding detection. She signals to Sam, breathlessly awaiting his reply. Sam signals and she takes the rest of her ship, creeping into the cargo hold. She begins releasing the slaves, having taken the keys from the ship captain. She seeks a slave who speaks her language that she met earlier. Finding him, she has him interpret unlocking the rest of the slaves, and tells them of the state of the ship, how the next day the tied-up captain in the ship's brig will help them navigate the hidden reefs of the dead isles and will lead them to safety the following day. She leaves the freed slaves, instructing them to row like hell at first light the following day, even if the chain protecting the bay is still up. Their work done for now, Sam and her return to the pirate's tavern and begin a night of raucous drinking and card playing. At the chosen time, Sam and her help chaos break out in the tavern and then slip away. Sam and her bond over their shared mission to free the slaves. On their way to pull the chain up, the sun almost over the horizon, Sam and her are intercepted by the pirate lord. Looking over his shoulder, she sees the oars come out of the ship and the slaves begin to row. The pirate lord sees her gaze and following it sees his ships and slaves escaping. She begins fighting the pirate lord, telling Sam to go to release the chain. During the fight, she tells him of their plan to free them. He laughs at her altruism, saying a few slaves in the grand scheme of things changes nothing and that all she did is get herself killed. She wins the fight, dropping Rolf to the ground unconscious, and runs to disable some of Rolf's ships to stop them from pursuit. Sam makes it to the chain, but is unable to move the mechanism, as it is huge and requires multiple men to move. He then ingeniously uses a catapult to destroy the mechanism and release the chain, moments before the slaves get there, and she watches with satisfaction as they row free. On her way to the tower to help Sam, who inadvertently destroyed the tower he was on as well as the mechanism, she is stopped by a dagger at her throat as Rolf gets the jump on her. 
She waits for the opportune moment and manages to get a hand in front of her throat, preventing it from being slit. She overwhelms him with blows and reverses the dagger at throat situation. She forces the pirate lord to sign a new document which says he will never sell slaves again, and that Skull's Bay is now a safe haven for freed slaves. And another document which tells her master that he won't sell slaves to him, and if he ever hears of her master buying slaves, he will attack him with the full force of his pirate armada. Rolf tells her she is crazy, but signs the papers. After getting the signatures, she runs to help Sam, who is fine, and they banter at their victory, delighted in their shared rebellion. A short while later, we are with Irene Towers, who has been watching a young woman as she goes about her tasks, filling ales and bringing patrons a foul-smelling stew as she barkeeps in the White Pig Inn in Inish, a port town so small it doesn't appear on most maps. The woman in the corner has been steadily drinking all night, but appears unaffected from the ale. We soon learn that the woman is Selena, who is waiting for a ship from her master Arabin, who is punishing her for ruining his slave trade with the pirates. She has been at the inn for two days and has already read all three books she brought with her. Her mood is foul. We learn that Arabin punished her severely for her actions with the slaves and pirates. She is on her way to the Red Desert to train with an assassin master in the faraway land and has been separated without word from Sam, who is also suffering the punishments of Arabin. We learn that the serving girl Irene is on her way to a faraway land called Antica to train at the healing academy there, where magic is rumored to still exist. She wants to go to school and like her mother and her mother's mother before her continue the long tradition of healing magic the women of her family have been blessed with. But due to the owner of the tavern dealing unfairly with her, she has been unable to save the money and what was supposed to be a short stop to replenish her purse has turned into a month's long wait, the idea of her ever leaving growing dimmer in her mind. After the bar closes, Irene is accosted by some brutes in the alley outside the tavern as she closes. Selena saves her and a friendship is struck between them as Irene helps to patch Selena up after the fight. Selena then teaches her some basic self-defense so she can stay safe for the rest of her time in the lawless fishing village. As they are wrapping up, the two women are jumped by five more men, having been called by one of the thugs who got away. Irene manages to use some of her new moves and Selena and her fight the men off. When Irene returns to her room, she sees a purse full of gold and a precious gemstone along with a note instructing her to seize her own future and go where she will, to live the life she wants. The chapter ends as Selena boards her ship to go towards her own destiny and find this assassin master in the faraway desert. Her ship sails away, Selena hoping she has brought a bit more peace to the world by sponsoring the healer. Selena has traveled far, and though her training and punishment with this assassin master in the desert has not begun, she is thoroughly sick of the dry, arid land. Her guide leaves her two miles before the assassin fortress, afraid to go closer. She arrives, throat parched, and is taken to the head of the silent assassin's keep, the Mute Master. Her orders are simple. Earn the Mute Master's assassin's respect within one month and return with a letter saying as much. She presents herself to the Mute Master in supplication, telling him that she is his to train. He is old, but not as ancient as she thought he might be. The master looks her over and seems displeased at the bruises on her body given to her by Arabin as part of her punishment. After his inspection, the master signals and four men begin a ruthless assault on her. She manages to defeat them, though takes a few cuts during the fray. The mute assassin master seems pleased as the four defeated men slink off. She makes eye contact and smiles back at a beautiful young woman standing to the side, wearing flamboyant armor. She seems to have won the master's permission to train there, and the beautiful woman approaches, introducing herself as Ansel, 
She leaves the room with Ansel, saying that she can stay with her and that her training starts tomorrow at dawn. Step one of her atonement complete. She begins running with the rest of the students daily to an oasis three miles, there and back again. Each runner carries two buckets with them that they would fill up and carry back to prevent themselves from dehydration while running in the hot desert air. The first day, Selena fails to return until dusk, the task taking her all day to accomplish. She tries to get the master to train her directly, needing his signature, and knowing her 30-day time requirement to be rapidly decreasing. The master tells her to wait in his silent way. She continues running every day and is soon able to accomplish it within a few hours and begins training with some of the other students. She finds a kindred soul in the silent master's silent son, his gesticulations always kind, and they begin to train together. One day, Selena decides to go on a trip with Ansel to a nearby town on some errand. Ansel tells her it's none of her business when she asks what their errand is. They travel there and Selena shops, buying some shoes and meeting a strange spider silk merchant who had traded 30 years of his life for the spider silk he now has in his possession. Though he was told by a witch who for a few coppers told him that only a great warrior assassin could help him slay the spider and get his life back. Lusting over the king's ransom of the rare and treasured Stygian spider silk the man has, she tells him she can't go a spider slaying now, but should he ever be in her neck of the woods, he should look her up as she might then be free to slay his spider and retrieve his lost years. He gives her a small token, a gift of spider silk, worth a fortune, with the hope that she will remember him and one day help him get his lost years back. Ansel returns and together they sneak into the local lord's stables. Selena can hardly ask what they are up to before Ansel gives her one of the reins to one of the two Asterian horses, finest of all breeds, said to be bred by the Fae invested with the aspects of the cardinal directions. With no time to process, she is mounted, and her and Ansel each astride one of these wonders of horseflesh go riding out. The Lord's guards astride mundane horses, falling far behind them as Ansel whoops in delight. With a live a little, the girls go racing across the desert feeling alive and free. When they get home, they are assigned stable duty every morning as the silent master's punishment for their theft and potential destruction of a pair of priceless horses. But Selena earns the master's approval, taking the blame for the event, and is invited to train with him the following night. She begins regularly training with the silent master, who teaches her to mimic animals and learn their wisdom, learning the strike of the snake, the silence of the desert hare, the awareness of a bat. She gets into a fight with Ansel one day after a jealous outburst. The two avoid each other until the following day when Selena wakes to Ansel sheepishly giving her some water to awake, apologizing. Though her apology quickly is seen for what it is as Selena's vision blurs, she has been poisoned. She awakens in the desert with the horse she stole in a note, saying the master sent her away, wanting to save her the grief of saying goodbye, telling her to keep the horse and that his signed papers of approval are in her saddlebags. On her way to the nearest port, she sees a large troop of soldiers led by the antagonistic local baron, and Selena realizes they must be going to the assassin's fortress, and that is why the master sent her away before her time was up. Later, however, upon further reflection, and acting upon a hunch, she checks the papers from the silent master and finds them blank. She then pieces together that her friend Ansel was in fact a spy, who, working with the local lord, conspired to betray the assassins, and via the horse theft gave him a reason to bring his full forces to bear. Selena rushes back to the fortress. She finds the gates open as if someone let in the soldiers without a fight, corpses everywhere. She finally comes across her friend, who is about to kill the silent master, then saves him and decides to spare her friend, knowing her to be misguided and not altogether bad. 
She sends her on her way, the silent master saying that he won't reveal to the rest of his assassins that the still living Ansel betrayed them, as many considered her to be their friend. He also reveals he knew her to be the traitor, but didn't act, saying he wanted to give her the chance to choose to do the right thing. Even though many innocent assassins received no chance to not die unnecessarily, because he chose to leave the traitor in their midst. This section ends with Selena returning home, this time with the actual documents from the real Silent Master, telling her Master Arabin of her success with him in the given time frame. The Silent Master also gives her three trunks full of gold, knowing that Arabin held her price he purchased for her over her head, and she would never be free until she paid him off. With the Silent Master's gift, she could finally be free. She returns home and is prepared to tell Arabin that she no longer wants to live in the castle, so close to it all, but is surprised and thrown off by Arabin seeming to honestly feel sorry and apologize to Selena for beating her prior to her leaving. Selena is being showered with gifts by a clearly hoping to be free from the doghouse Arabin while settling into her old routine. She even has a gadget person who has made her custom armor specifically made for her, with hidden spring blades all about. She is divided over hating her master Arobin and his ruthless beating of her, and the cool gifts, clothes, shoes, and cosmetics he is now giving her, all of them tailored so specifically for her. She runs into an old annoyance named Lysandra, who is staying in the keep while she comes of age and accepts a suitor. Lysandra is petty and false, always pestering Selena and flirting with Sam in front of her. Arabin assigns her a mark, one of the noblemen in the city, one who has made the unfortunate decision to begin selling slaves, hoping to have a corner on the previously untapped slave trade in the capital. She attends a show at her favorite place, the local theater, where Arabin has a private box. She eyes her mark and enjoys the theater, allow allowing the music to take her away. Later, she finally gets a chance to speak with Sam, and accusingly asks him why he is spending so much time with Lysandra. He is surprised and tells her that he was told to by Arabin. She taunts him with a subtle jibe about the son of the Silent Master, and left unanswered insinuations of what might have occurred between them while she was away. She asks Sam to help her with her recent mark, and they get to spend more quality time together, staking out her mark's home, noting guards and looking for potential weaknesses in the nobleman's protective detail. She seems to be receiving gifts from everyone, as when she gets home, she sees Sam has acquired for her the sheet music from the orchestra she saw the night before. She attends a party of the nobleman she is assigned to kill named Donoval. She approaches him in an alcove, using her feminine wiles to easily get close. Later, during a solo recon to find some damning documents of her mark, she is surprised by his guards and taken captive. She awakens to the guards saying goodbye to her thinking her common street trash and leaving her tied in the sewer, which is about to be washed and flooded. She manages to free herself and has to swim through the rapidly filling sewer. After a desperate swim, she manages to find a way out onto the street, though it is covered by a cover rusted closed. Sure, she is about to drown as dirty water closes over her mouth and eyes. Sam hears her screaming and helps her out, though not before she blacks out and is awakened to Sam pounding on her chest, water coughing out of her lungs. The romantic tension continues to rise between Sam and Selena, and one night, he tells her of his plan to leave and take a position in a faraway land, stating and then asking if he has anything that should keep him here. Selena makes a decision, and though initially distraught, she confesses that yes indeed he has a reason to stay. They embrace and kiss, and though they take things physically slow, they are both much happier, their shared affection like a salve to their life, as both are still not independent a powerful piece on another's board. 
With her mind clear that it has been in a while, she puts her plan in motion and breaks into Donoval, her Mark's house, recovering the documents she needed and cleanly severing his spine at the opportune moment. The person he was meeting with gets away, as the distraction Sam had set off below was a large explosion she didn't anticipate, and the man used the opportunity to run. After killing Donovan and getting her revenge on Philip, the man who tried to drown her in the sewers earlier, Selena manages to corner the man in an alley. As she comes upon him, he half destroys some documents on his person and ingests poison, killing himself. Selena burns the other half of his documents, honoring the half-done last task of the dead man. She reports to Erebor, telling him of the situation. He laughs at her and mocks her, saying he expected her to figure it out. The man was not there to set up a slave trade. He had been on a mission to set up a network of safe houses for freed slaves to use. Arabin did this as a last punishment for her part in freeing pirate slaves and ruining her master's slave trade business. It doesn't hit as hard as he would have liked, though, as she tells him that she has sold her horse and deposited the funds in his account, purchasing Sam's freedom in addition to her own. He responds, always being a step ahead, saying that he used his newfound money she used to purchase Lysandra's virginity, asking why he shouldn't enjoy the fruits of his labors. This part of the story ends with a touching scene, as both her and Sam set their meager belongings in her empty apartment, and both agree that today onward they stick together. Both are free, their love the fuel for their lives. Selena is in an orchestra, her favorite, though now she is snuck in and is perched high on a rafter, eyeing her old master Arabin in his box, with Lysandra still at his side, wishing she had her place in the box still, feeling now an outcast. It taints the experience for her. She leaves early, returning home and enjoying the fact it is the first thing she owns, paying for it entirely on her own. The cold wood stove tells her where Sam is, and she heads to a pleasure house, hearing the cheers of the fighting pits as she approaches, knowing whom it is they cheer for. She sees Sam at the end of a good show, putting on a performance for his audience. Seeing his new bruises, however, she can't help but frown as she looks on at her lover dispatching his opponent, dropping him to the sands. The crowd cheers. Selena fantasizes about murdering everyone in the cheering crowd. After, as they walk home, she reminds Sam of his promise to not return to that place. He disagrees, saying that he never promised her. Sam argues their money is almost out and her lifestyle requires a certain amount of coin, which he can get at the fights. Sam suggests leaving again, asking what is holding them there. She tells him nothing, and then to herself, everything. She says that if they leave, they will do it her way, and she wants to do one final job to get their funds in order. Though with Arabin not acting as their handler, the jobs have been rather dry lately. Apparently, when they left staying with Arabin, they left the influence of the Assassin's Guild, and being a major earner for them, they resent her and Sam's departure. They make up, and while canoodling and falling asleep, she is wondering if Arabin will ever give them his blessing for them leaving the Assassin's Guild. The next day, they meet with Arabin, who agrees to allow them to move wherever, but when they try to get him to release from the Guild, the amount he asks for is a ludicrous sum that would completely drain their resources. He remains stalwart in his amount, arguing their worth. She agrees to pay the fund, and Sam and her plan on doing another contract to pay it off. They get into an argument and both go separate ways, needing to think. Selena goes on a walk and wanders too close to the Usurper King's Castle of Glass, regretting the feeling of it as she gets too close. She has a raw fear that she holds toward the Invader King. Upon returning home, her and Sam discuss the contract he found them, dubious deeds hired by dubious employers. Their exact employer is actually unknown, 
but the figure that they will receive is quite a hefty sum and will be the perfect ending contract, setting them up nicely for their next stage of life. The contract is to kill the two largest criminals in town. Selena reluctantly agrees, wanting peace between them and knowing that they need the resources. They case their new marks, deciding upon Sam's plan, again Selena agreeing reluctantly, to him killing the male of the crime duo, who is rumored to be awful, a real monster. She is to take out the female, both working separately. Arabin later meets with Selena and warns her from killing Jane and Farron, saying they are the undisputed crime kingpins and they will be extremely dangerous to attempt to kill. Arabin tells him that they are crazy to try it and admits that her leaving has affected him and hurt his feelings. He asks her to stay. She sees his manipulations for what they are and demands that he leave. Selena and Sam spend the next few days trailing their marks, learning their routines and preparing to kill the dangerous crime duo. Learning of their love for torture and dastardly deeds, they review Sam's plan and get in a fight as Sam reveals that he plans on moving them to a different continent. They fight again, but they are getting better at communicating, and Sam reveals he knows she is hiding something about her childhood. Some great shame, but he doesn't care, and will feel honored whenever she trusts him enough to tell him. Until then, it's her business and her business alone. They make up. The time comes for Sam to make his kill. When he is late to meet up after, she goes looking for him, but she fails to find him or any trace of his assassination. Their Mark's house quiet, everything seemingly normal. She falls asleep after looking and waiting, but awakes to still no Sam. Noon of the following day comes, and she goes looking for him. Unable to find him, she comes home and sees her door ajar, rushing in, thinking to see Sam on their couch. She finds Arabin there, who tells her that they thought Sam still lived at the Assassin's Keep, and Sam's body was delivered to him there. She demands to see the body, and Arabin says she doesn't want to see it. Following her as she rushes to the Assassin's Keep, she finds his body and sees that his death had not been swift. He had been tortured all night by Farron, who did unspeakable things to him while she had slept. She goes crazy with madness and rage, and after some time, overhears a plot of the assassins getting their revenge on her and Sam's previous marks. Unable to let them get her sweet revenge, she sneaks out, but is intercepted by Wesley, who is unable to tell her what he wanted before she dispatches him. She makes her way to her Mark's house and leaps in through a window. It is, of course, a trap. She takes down many, but is overwhelmed. She takes out one of the two. The other one seems pleased though, and she realizes that this too had been planned. She was supposed to take out one so the other could take his job. She realizes she has been betrayed, and Farrell gives her up to the usurper king who judges her guilty and condemns her to live out her remaining years at Endover, a work camp. All who go there quickly die from the harsh conditions. We learn as Farrell and Arab and her master watch the armored prison wagon take her away in amusement, that it was of course none other than her master Arabin who had set up Sam and killed him, orchestrating the event leading to her current hell. When asked why by Farrell he did it, he responds simply saying that he doesn't like to share his things. On the way to Endovier, full of rage, hatred and grief, Selena decides despite her coming hardship she will survive so she can find out who betrayed her and she can get her revenge, hardening herself to the hard times to come staying resolute in her decision to survive, knowing one day her blade will get its revenge. Okay. Yeah, uh, hearing you read it all back, like, I don't know, it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I like the ending. I like the ending, The ending too, was yeah. cool. Yeah. I gotta say, okay, I have, and this kind of links to an overall bigger critique that I have of just kind of 
her character as a whole. But my first notice was like, it's like crazy to me that she doesn't suspect Arabin. Like she knows she was betrayed by someone on her side. And like, like literally like the only person it could be was like, I mean, maybe Wesley who was like clearly trying to tell her something. She like breaks his jaw, like drops him to the ground, even though he's trying to tell her like you've been set up, you know? And that kind of leads me to the overall critique of like, I just don't believe her to be the world's best assassin. She's constantly getting like her butt handed to her and like making huge mistakes. So before we get into that, I do agree on some of those points. I think uh, with Arabin in particular, I think Moss was stressing pretty heavily that Selena has been gaslit and manipulated. And it's it's just a really abusive, like inappropriate relationship yeah. between Selena and Arabin. Gaslit is the right word. <laughs> I think it's like, yeah, I mean... So, so I, I understand um, a lot of the critiques you're about to make, to make, but that that one critique is with Arabin. It's like I think she has kind of a blind spot with okay. him because he's like kind of like this weird like other figure Holy, to her, yeah, but yeah. also like could have been a lover or yeah, something. It's and weird. Like, also, like, and that's like a hallmark of a really abusive relationship is like when one party like kind of stresses that the other party won't be safe without them. And then like convinces that other party that they won't be safe without them, even though they're the one that's actually the reason that they're suffering. Totally. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's very manipulative. That was like one of the main things that I really, I guess enjoyed is kind of a weird word, but that was one of the things I, I did like about uh, this prequel novella tr- series is that it really explains a lot of selena's kind of like misgivings and like she just really doesn't like anybody or trust anybody at all going into uh, the first book throne of glass and then even into crown of midnight because um, i mean she's definitely really bullheaded in those in both of those books but it's not even close to how cocky and naive and ignorant she is so and, and i think that that really covers up uh, a lot of well not covers up but it, it um it explains a lot of why she's actually like a pretty frustrating character in this totally. book even more so than she is i think that was by design that's on purpose okay. um she is a 16 year old idiot right basically. right you know what i mean she's like, just i was an idiot at 16 like <laughs> well and also i mean dude like i mean it also really explains that like this this Arabin guy i think that he and i could be wrong about this but i think that he was like grooming her to really believe that she was like much more capable and, and important oh, than she actually wow. is. I love that take. That's really good yeah, stuff. I th- yeah. I think it's like way more manipulative than she even totally. thinks. Totally. And so he we can like, like kind of keep her in a prison of her own skill. Like you're this yeah, bonding kind of. position. No one else. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Because okay, dude, that I helps think it's, me a lot. I, and I, that could not be it. But I it think sounds right. maybe. What Moss might be doing here is like kind of like playing a little bit more of a long game than we're giving her credit for maybe. And like, but I mean, also, I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea what's going on. I I like that a lot, actually, because she's definitely self-proclaimed so skilled. And then sometimes I'm like, yeah, but like you can't like trail a mark without being caught. (laughs) I know there's definitely some other things where it's like, like there is a part where Philip, the, uh, the bodyguard, (laughs) <laughs> it's like we knew we knew you were following us <laughs> yeah. for days and it's like wow selena isn't that like your only that's literally your job like you can't even chase the joint when... <laughs> like the common guard yeah. you know yeah she definitely i feel like for a world famous assassin yeah we're just really not seeing it as much and that's why i feel like that feeds into my theory a little bit more you know it's because i mean she really i mean i guess she's pretty good at like uh 
observing stuff sometimes and like she's she like pick locks and like knocks people out with like the pommel of her sword you know what i mean really good at the second half of fights yeah i'm just i feel like she would have more like backup plans and more kind of like planning without like jumping to different like emotional conclusions before she acts on things she's she's brash she's very brazen and just like but like spies should be calculating and 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 like like you said like backup plans you know and backup plans to the backup she's the best right like it's like it's like i don't even feel bad for being this critical or overcritical or whatever about her abilities because moss told us she's literally the best in the world so it's it's like I'm gonna hold her to that standard, yeah. And she's she never meets it. Like, no. but she reminds us about it all the time. <laughs> the part, the part in the in in the desert novella where she's walking through that uh, Alexandria with Ansel, and Ansel's just like, "All right, so you just stay out here. I gotta go have like this super secret meeting with this person." And she's just like, "Okay, she, like, whatever." Like, shoes. I guess I'll go shopping. <laughs> like my friend who, like, I just like, dude. Don't you think that maybe? Like you just heard that there might be like a mole. Right, in- right, right. <laughs> like, like, like you don't know this person at all. Like, what do you just because she was nice to okay, you? Okay, but like, like sidebar here, we got to discuss for a quick second, real fast, that we can get back to her being like not a very good assassin. Because like, I I really like what you're saying about her being like kind of like falsely elevated by Arabin. You know, she's almost like Maybe, the best of yeah. her assassin class, but with no experience. So it's like I wish she was just like best of the assassin school, not best in the world. But anyway. So while she's shopping, she meets this spider silk guy and we hear this crazy story of him having sold 30 years of his life for spider silk to a spider who took it from the beginning of his life. So he looks like an old man, even though he's 20. I think it was 20. Oh, was it 20 years? Sorry. It doesn't matter. A couple years. And she's told by or he is told by a witch that like only the best assassin in the world, basically her, can (laughs) save him by slaying this spider which is just crazy <laughs> that she runs across this guy and then he's like will you help me and she's like no but like hit me up if you're ever in my area because like i'm my one day and it's like it was just like wild for that to come out of nowhere and then he's like well here you can have some of yeah. this you know and this like priceless like me thrill basically yeah yeah you know? i just and then did she put it in sam's armor and not she hers? did yeah yeah i thought that was, it pretty, was pretty cool, cool yeah, yeah he's was, like i was shot that was in a the nice, heart. Like, whoa that was awesome <laughs> yeah. yeah that was pretty neat i, I thought that was um because like uh, that was pretty crafty of moss because the way that that scene with like that inventor or whatever had gone down uh, i just i thought that Selena was putting it in her me own too, armor. Totally. it was just uh it was just really cool yeah. i just like that a lot yeah and it was yeah. nice i needed to be told of her affection sometimes because like the amount her and Sam like fought sometimes I was like your relationship was like not oh, very we healthy. should move on we should we should move on to Sam and Selena's relationship because I think that's such an important part of this and before then, we and move us, on do you think I, we're I getting spider silk guy's conclusion to his stale at some point I hope so I hope I hope she finds okay, a me giant too, yeah. spider that'd be really cool yeah I, I, sorry no no that's all good yeah, yeah, <laughs> I just I wanted that that period there I just feel like we could sit on the like Wow, she's kind of a crappy assassin <laughs> thing for like a while. <laughs> like, but like, we don't need to like squeeze all the juice out of that lemon because we haven't even read all of these totally, books. So, totally, uh, it's fine. But yeah, I do want to talk about Sam and Selena. Okay, so I have like kind of mixed feelings on Sam. Like, I I really like him. Like, I like him more than Kale or Dorian. Yeah, he's way more authentic. He seems like way yeah, authentic is like such a perfect word for him. He he seems like much more his own person than kale does but he also seems like more genuine than dorian does so i think he's like a nice like happy medium between the two 
So I think that's I think that's great. I liked it whenever Sam was on the page. I was really sad to see him die. He was actually probably so far in these three books like the most interesting character. Totally. And <laughs> Voss killed him and tortured I him know, and stuff. Terribly. And yeah, uh, but I, I I don't know. Sam and Selena, I just I'm not really seeing it. I feel like it was like a necessity thing. Like the they like never spent time with anyone else. Maybe so like they kind of grew up together. You know. Maybe. I mean, like, I think it started making more sense kind of as they had like kind of into the fifth novella, like when they're kind of living together and they're running out of money. And it's just like I can I could kind of understand like a lot. They've had like more shared trauma and stuff and they've they've had more conversations at that point. That's fine. But man, like the first couple or the first one, I should say the one with Rolf was just kind of like weird. And then in the fourth, I think it was the fourth one. He's just like, I love you. I've loved you this whole time. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, man, I mean, really, she like did nothing but make fun this, of you for like, like most of this. Book. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, I mean, you treated her like you hated her. Right, too. Yeah, like, like you were I mean, really cold. I think that with enemies to lovers, sometimes it can feel just so like so manufactured sometimes where it's just like, oh, I, I hated you. You want to have both, right. right? It's like you want to have. It's like you you want your cake and you want to eat it too. Like they're horrible to the main character, but also they've secretly loved them the whole time. Right, right. It's, it's like, like they well, fight and then end by like, kissing. Why each would other. you be terrible to somebody you were like in love? Like he says love. Like he's like I've loved you this. Not like I've been attracted to you or like I've been curious about you, but I kind of hated you more than I was curious about. None of that. I literally, yeah, I literally loved, you, loved you, and I also am gonna treat you like <laughs> shit. And then she was just didn't know what was going on and still treated him like shit. So it was like kind of weird to like, just, it felt like abrupt for them to just all of a sudden be like madly in love with each other. But now, okay. So let me back up just a, a tiny little bit here. Also they're 16 and 17. Right. So we, we, you can't like leave that out right, of like this Right. Like the brand is like a decade from being fully developed. Right. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I mean like, and you know, no shade on 16 and 17 year olds no. who are probably might be listening to this. Like I'm not saying you're dumb. I'm not saying anything. Like I'm just saying like, this is like a first love kind yes. of thing, you know? So it's going to seem, I feel, I feel like very intense and abrupt. I think that when you kind of, when you consider that this is a first love, when you consider this is the first time Selena's even kissed anybody. And also that they're kind of like joined at the hip through this kind of shared experience, all, trauma all the, thing. all the things externally that are happening around them, I think are bringing them a little closer together too. So it kind of like speeds things totally. up. So I just want to like throw that caveat out there. Cause like I did, I did kind of feel like the relationship was a little ham fisted, but it started to make sense the longer that it went yep. on. If that yep. makes sense. I totally, I totally agree with that. I, I did really like how Sam like confronted her that we didn't get this whole like, are they or are they not? Like it was drawn out, yes, but not like that long. And finally he was just like, hey, listen, like I don't play games. I'm gonna leave because it sucks for me here. And I'm like second best always. Do I have a reason to stay or don't I? Because I'm not gonna like beat around the bush anymore and she was just like yeah you do and it was like cool finally so it was like it was nice that they confronted it i felt that didn't really feel like how that scene went down though like to me what it felt like was i felt like sam was like i'm just gonna go because i know you're gonna choose him so bye oh yeah i guess there was a little bit of that because he did say like like, yeah because she was (laughs) 
Yeah, he wasn't being straight up with her at all, actually. He was just like, well, I see how it is, so goodbye. And she was like, God, you're so stupid. But I mean, he did ask her, like, do I have a reason to stay? Well, maybe he insinuated, like, if I had a reason to stay. I'm not sure if it was as direct <laughs> as I might remember it. To be. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was actually pretty juvenile. <laughs> I remember him, like, simply this thought, just like, like those, do I have a reason to stay? Like, <laughs> No, it was like, I felt like it was like the equivalent of, like, when you, like, text a girl like this big long thing about her and then you're like oh sorry i meant that i was i meant to send that to one of my friends so i didn't mean to send it to you you know like that's just like what it felt like yeah you know, it's just, maybe it did a little like yeah he, like he made he like made selena tell him but she, she needed to be to cornered because she would never like tell him on her own she just continue like making fun of him and being confusing and him being like, well, it kind of like hurts my feelings because we keep having these moments, and then she's just like really mean to me, and then like, and then you like threaten to beat yeah, me, up. And, like, literally <laughs> attacks me. <laughs> yeah, she's just like, oh man, I'll, you'll regret that. It's just like, oh, like you have swords. I know, man. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Uh, so I have some questions sure. here. Uh, first of all, do you think we'll be seeing Irene, the healer, again in the series? Ooh, good question. I hope so. I liked her. I thought she was pretty cool. Yeah, I thought, I thought that that you know it was like a nice, short and sweet little like forty page um, little short story. I don't see how it could have been longer, but I, I still liked it a lot. I would, I would have been fine with it being a little bit longer. I liked it a lot too. I thought it was a nice little addition to the story, and I really hope that we get the Irene character more because she could like, I don't know, be a tie to old she's magic, and she's a healer. She's kind of like the yeah. other side of. She could be a, a good friend to Selena, you know, a good shoulder to lean upon, and with a shared history, that's kind of cool. Maybe she's a lost queen, too. Oh, maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, another thing I noticed, um, the whole, like, my name is Selena Sardothian and I am not afraid thing from, like, the first yeah. book. Yeah. Uh, she got that from totally. Sam, which I was like, oh, that's that's so great. I like that yep. a lot. I mean, it's awful because Sam's <laughs> tortured and executed uh, horribly, but... Yeah, at least uh, that that was cute. Yeah, you got to say one thing for <laughs> Selena. She is one tough cookie. Like, she goes through some yeah, seriously yeah. bad things. And then, like, on the way up to the Elovian, Elo, whatever the death camp's name is. Endovia. Uh, yeah, yeah, she, um like, before she even gets there and she's, like, going through the hell, she's already kind of, like, gotten through the self-pity and is like, okay, but, like, revenge, baby. I'm going to survive so I can get revenge. Yeah. And it was like... Your revenge isn't necessarily the best, the most healthy of fuels, but anything I feel like that you can kind of latch on to to toughen yourself to these incredibly hard times you're about to experience is like a, I think a pretty good thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, like imagine like your first love or your first infatuation that you had. And then like, imagine like that person being tortured and executed and it's like kind of your right. fault. I mean, like it's you not were like sleeping. 100% her like you but you believe that it's your right, fault right you know it's definitely uh, things you could have done differently like, like and then like a day later you end up in like a, a labor camp yeah you know? like i mean that's i feel like it really does go a pretty long way into kind of just explaining selena's general temperament in books uh one and two which i mean again like i kind of just wish we would have read this before books one You're and not two. Wrong, I mean, yeah i think i i'm maybe it's just because Man, like the end of Crowd of Midnight is so solid. It's like such a good ending. And I really just wanted to start Air of Fire. And we had to read this. And I was like, and then it was like right when I was like in the middle of the first novella, like the pirate stuff, I was like, oh, I don't care about any of this. Like, I just want to read. No, it was kind of linear and like on a track and very simple, you know? And I knew where it was going too. Like, I mean, I imagined it was going to, because I mean, like, um, Pharaoh and Sam's whole thing 
was explained in Crown of Midnight. So I kind of had a feeling that it was going that direction. And I was I was happy to read more about that. Obviously, it's more it's interesting. But I was still just it kind of did feel on rails a little bit. That's why I liked the desert part, because it was like, oh, this is a nice surprise. Like she's somewhere. It else. was really nice. Yeah. yeah. And it was nice to have like the different setting, which is one thing, actually, that I will say that was very good about this um, story was, though, it was kind of on rails. We got to see a lot of different environments, which I like. You know, we had like a yeah, yeah. pirate stuff, some ocean scenes, you had some desert stuff and then the more time on the capital um, and very little time at the actual like castle of glass with the king which i thought was wise like we already have a ton of that in the other story just enough for her to be like like almost like weirdly afraid of this usurping king like it's weird that she has feelings so strongly towards him and her fear runs deep you know i don't yeah, really I think know there why might be something else there yeah i think it was just more stuff we're gonna have to find out totally later. i i had a question i was kind of unsure about something this pharaoh guy that that ends up torturing and killing Sam is he he's like he's like the crime lord like does he outrank Arobin I think you know what I mean? he's like, like like kind of adjacent in positions like he's like which okay. is leads me to a question I have for you here in a second yeah I think he's like head of the the crime bosses or at least he he is now like his partner or whatever that she oh, okay he was vying yeah for totally it. it was jane or jane or something is like that. the assassins yeah. um, and and also this crime lord do you get the idea that they're uh mechanisms of the state they're state driven institutions or are they independent king of the assassins and then he's just like hired by the king i think there's a certain amount of complicity not necessarily like i think like you know and um i don't know if you read any of the i don't think you read any discworld books uh, but you, you read more yeah i read more but in the discworld and in in, in, in Ockmore pork like uh, it's kind of a running joke that like the the guilds of uh, like the thieves guild is like necessary and you know it's kind of like allowed to operate because you need people to steal stuff from rich people sure. and it's it, it's just and i think that on a on a similar level i think that like the king uh just kind of like allows a certain amount of crime. It's kind of like how like cops would like introduce drugs into neighborhoods. You know right, I mean? right. It's like there's a certain amount of like complicity. If you can institutionalize like it, the, you can know where it is. You can kind of know where it isn't. You kind of control it by making it that way. Yeah. I think the king knows quite a bit more about what's going on in his city. Okay. On the other side of that, though, I mean, I don't think that Arabin is like doing the king's bidding. You know what I mean? I don't think that it's that level. Okay of it i just wonder if people in the town like walk by like and like, that's the assassin's cape like do they know that or is that like maybe hmm. maybe it's like a i mean it could be just like a common knowledge okay. thing okay but it's not like advertised there's not like a blinking sign outside that says the assassin's keep but they don't go there okay one thing i really liked but didn't like how it was presented to us which i feel like is kind of a thing that moss does is she just like invents things later on in her story that if she would have thought about it at the beginning of her story when she started it would have been there and mentioned to us but it wasn't thought of but later she then needs it to be a thing so adds it and then mentions it as if it was always a thing like the assassin's guild Likewise. so when they leave the assassin's guild mean? like well we all just kind of knew it was aerobin but then all of a sudden they have like these assassins dues they're like part of the guild and they have to go ask him to like beat like i don't even know they were a gilded yeah, that did seem thing. a little contrived like i yeah, thought it was, it was like, like i feel like maybe they studied yeah, I, him, I see where know? you're going with this it felt like moss i know exactly what paragraph you're talking about here because it, it felt like moss was kind of like ah, i need to give them like more reasons like why they right leave, why, why there's know? a chain like, they there. should be able to just bail you know what i mean uh but yeah and then she's i th i think that I can understand why that seems pretty like clunky, a little bit clumsy. Yeah, it was just like, okay, there's a guild, I guess. 
Yeah, like maybe it should have been mentioned. Right, at like some it makes point, sense like for earlier. it to be there and exist. Oh yeah, it's not it's bad just that weird it's there, that it's but like not yeah. made known to me. <laughs> it's like an it's like an oh by the sure, way, yeah, it's yeah, like a throwaway yeah. line kind of thing, which I feel like Moss does that, and a lot of authors do this, you know, obviously, but um, like just like little throwaway lines where it's just like oh, and like by the way, it was like that because of this, you know, and it's like okay, I guess like whatever. And she does it with her dialogue sometimes too, where so kind of like and like dude this is not just sarah j moss like like tv shows do this like so many different books and movies and stuff do this but it's like you kind of have a conversation that's more for the reader or watcher's benefit but i mean that's fine i don't really mind that ever i mean i'd rather have the questions answered um and it's a pretty organic way to do it in dialogue i mean people it's not like people don't ask each other questions about things you know so totally yeah no no that's a fine it can be done totally fine uh though i do remember in akatar there was definitely, I think between, especially it was egregious between, I think, book like three and four, maybe, or maybe it was, I uh, know it was two and three, I think, where it was, all of a sudden there was like all this lingo. It was like Sarah J. Moss went into like her own fan forums and like learned all these words that people had used for things <laughs> and then like yeah. started throwing them in her story. And there was just like, uh, there was like bags of holding all of a sudden and just some weird additions to her story and her, like her magical world as a whole that were just like thrown in there that were like, always in there though they certainly weren't before you know so uh, <laughs> no, i don't know they, just weren't mentioned. they were always there don't yeah sometimes you it. just gotta have new ideas that's fine sometimes there's a new new a disease that can kill only one color it's fine i mean that is the kind of the, that's the interesting thing about fantasy books is that like it is all the author's world and as long as there's you know it's like with this specific example of you know having to pay thieves guild dues or assassins dues or whatever um, right <laughs> it's like it's like that's in her world like it's not really like that much of an issue that it wasn't brought up before it's just no. what like it's it's being brought up now and there's no real reason why that wouldn't be a thing so now that's a thing you know totally so, totally yeah no, it all yeah. makes sense yeah for sure but it is a little bit like yeah, abrupt yeah. sometimes yeah okay <laughs> sure. <laughs> for sure i have a question what, what did you think about selena letting ansel go in the assassin in the desert after Selena, you know, she's like, uh, I'll give you a couple minutes and then I'll shoot an arrow at you. Totally. And I think she tried to hit her. Do you think she tried to hit her? No, she didn't. There was a, a kind of. Really? Yeah, there was like a kind of silly line where it was like, she could have hit her at 20 minutes, but she waited 21. Or oh, whatever. okay. You're remember right, that line? Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do <laughs> remember like, okay. that. Yeah. Because they kind of like, I legitimately. I thought she wasn't going to be, but there was a second no. when the air was flying through the air that I was like, is she going to kill her? No, I had that same <laughs> feeling. <laughs> you know what? I like, but like for me, this is, this is a YA series. And like, I think that especially with these early books, it's like so some levity to things. And it's like, you don't have to murder everybody, obviously. It's right. just like, I personally, I think it would have been pretty cool. Not cool, but like, I think I would have felt some satisfaction there if Selena just like fucking killed that lady you know what i mean it's just, yeah. yeah i mean it's just I, I feel like i think that moss with selena it's just i feel like she's just kind of pulling some punches sometimes and like it, it feels Lots like almost times. yeah i mean it just feels sometimes like you're you're telling me how badass this person is but right. like she also has a heart of gold she and it's like she's like this, yeah she's like this ruthless killer but like <laughs> it's, and it's just like it's like when you when you want her to be this ruthless uh traumatized killer 
you you've got that and then also but when you want her to be like this like music loving like dancing like heart of gold like um like morally upstanding person then you right. got all that too and it's like i don't know if you can really have all of that though she literally murders people for money like i i think that having her kind of like have these morals is just weird it's weird that they haven't been like drained out of her like she's so sensitive and yet she's we're supposed to believe that she's this ruthless killer you know it's like i just don't believe it really it's hard yeah like like i feel like with with the tone that's been presented for selena what she thinks of herself and the reputation that she's already gotten to the point where she has to wear a mask everywhere right, right. you'd think that she would be so ruthless that when she was she would follow orders to the letter like you know what i mean like you would think that she would just go places and do horrible things right because that's what operator. she's been doing this whole time so i mean but i do understand like 200 slaves you know what i mean like that that that's again like it's just it's it's very it's pretty convincing i would say like that specifically i think she i think any assassin like selena worth her salt would have totally killed ansel for betraying her in, in the desert thing but i think in the first novella um her trying to do everything she could to free 200 slaves like it's 200 slaves like that's totally and like, like i would probably try to do that too i mean like that's like that's like very objectively horrible you know and like, considering that like, she was like a prince or a queen right and then she's now like in this assassin world like and she has to pay off her own she's kind of in a slavery situation herself like so it kind of hits close yeah. to home you know i can yeah. kind of get the slavery thing but it's like we should we haven't seen her premeditatedly kill somebody unless they were a bad person like she in the yeah. fly kills people attacking her all the time, like defending the healers and stuff. She killed like five people just who were attacking the healer. Granted, though, they were trying to, you know, do terrible things to the healer. So they probably deserved it. But she's not doing her job. Yeah, but she doesn't do her job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Nor have we seen her do her job in the in the present day either. Yeah, I think it's uh, getting well, everyone but, to but, run. But see, but that's the thing is like she has pretty good reason for that. I think I we had a conversation about it and she doesn't want to help the, the king's agenda. I know, I but like, I, but, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, ultimate the, the goal tone. Is to be free though. So it's no, like, she's no, got to pick a lane. You know? <laughs> she's a, she's just changes lanes. She's, a, she's driving she's in all the lanes at once. Caught. I don't know. Maybe this conversation that you and I are having though, about Selena and just kind of like our issues with tone, our issues with uh, some other things. Maybe, you know, we are only three books into an eight book series. So totally. I hope that it gets more nuanced and more complex and, I just want to see more depth here. And, and I think that the, yeah. the, this book in particular brought a lot of depth to Selena. Like now I actually am pretty excited to read it, more excited to read Air of Fire than I was after uh, reading the second book, Crown of Midnight. So maybe, yeah, maybe the author of the series was right in having us read this, uh, as, this as the third book instead of the first book. So maybe so. And, and while I don't necessarily think that like this book in itself didn't add depth i mean it, it helped me understand a her bit. a little bit more yeah. but she's still very like this book in itself like the events in it were kind of shallow but what it did do was it or i shouldn't say shallow i said should say simple and what it did was i think it set up future depth because what we have now is we have a bunch of characters that we know that are part of her past and her history and her makeup and who's like knows her before she went to the um camps which i feel is like is a, a kind of a before my life, before in my life and after my life sort of event. And I think that hopefully 
we get those characters starting to come back in like what if we get feral and what if we get some or more ansel. of like these yeah. and yeah and ansel and like these characters who we've um kind of brushed up against that will add some depth because i'm like oh i already know this character's not a new thing it'll be like a yeah. little plug from history so i that i think will will add some depth later on in the in the books I think this Arabin guy has to go. I'm He's so, got it. So oh. sick of him in this book. Like it's just so slimy. Going into this book, did you have any idea of how I kind of thought he was going to be like a mental mentor, like fatherly figure, and then it was I, I was know. almost shocked to learn how much of a terrible guy he was. I thought he would be older. Like I thought he was like sixty or something. How old is like, he? he He's like 35. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, so like in my mind, reading the first and second book or um, uh, Throne of Glass and Crown of Midnight, whenever he was brought up, I was like, oh, King of Assassins, like it's probably like this kind of like super old guy. And I guess like relative to Selena's age, you know, he's twice her age. Um, totally. And I'm sure I Assassins wasn't has like got a pretty low, I mean, low dude, life I, expectancy. Like, I don't know why Selena wasn't <laughs> like looking for Arabin the whole time for in books one and two. You right. know what I mean? Like she's you like she should be. I mean, obviously, like it's a com- it's a complicated situation. Obviously, she's. Do you think she just didn't have the story stuff. invented? I don't know. I don't really know. I mean, it could be that, or it could be that. Um, like I don't know. Maybe whole reason for living is like revenge. But doesn't she? She doesn't know it was Arabin, though. No, she like, doesn't. But she's like, I'm going to live through this experience so I can find who did this. Yeah, you think she'd at least go talk to him, right? Or like that was like what it. I was because like the they have the events are so heavy and they're, they're so impactful at the end of this um, novella series that like for her to like get back to Rifthold and be like, ah, I'll talk to him eventually. It's just like I don't know, right. man. Like your first love was murdered and tortured. <laughs> like we should go figure out what the hell happened. Maybe she was a little shaken and like. I got to like kind of put my pieces together and like move a little slowly, you know? I mean, yeah, I'd be terrified to even like open that door again. Actually. I've never hadn't thought yeah, about like it. Yeah. Like the brashness that. of her previous self, like kind of got her where she is. Maybe she's Dude, like, she all seems right, a little like, nerfed. Honestly, she's yeah, like a little, a little bit insecure nerfed. Almost. Yeah. Like she's Which actually seems... helps me understand her. Like, cause she like, she kind of like, Talks herself up a lot, even in present day. You're like, all right, we did it. I think it's cute. Yeah, it is cute. But it's like, Like, also like, okay, you're so badass. But maybe that's like her, like almost reminding herself, like who she is, but at the same time, like what she isn't, too. You know, like, yes, I'm, but like being that got me where I am right now. So let's be a little more complicated or a little more subtle and and take our time with things. You know, maybe that's why we haven't seen her on a revenge trip <laughs> right like what i was saying at the top of the episode i mean like yeah she is definitely really headstrong in and like impulsive i should say i don't impulsive even know if heads, good yeah i don't think headstrong is the right word uh impulsive uh in books one and two but like it's not even a shadow of this <laughs> she's no. so intense in this first uh novella series which i think uh, again is by design I don't know. I don't really have much else to talk about with these with these four books. I mean, I, I'm or five books, I should say. I think that a lot of it was really cool. A little bit of it was kind of boring. Sam and Selena together kind of started to make sense towards the end, and then it was a very abrupt kind of end to that. Totally. Which I really like how it was done. It was just done so cruelly to like the reader, even like you're just like, dang, I didn't even get a chance to like say goodbye. I know it was coming. Seriously, kind of yeah. Like, I mean, like, Sam, I feel like should have stuck around for a little longer. I mean, I was just, I would have read, like, a whole novella about just Sam. and Totally. And it's just like, 
it's just it feels like he was just kind of like ripped away from us yeah i would have we have like to see them have some wins together we just have kale like i know yeah we got these like regal boys i have regal boys that's such a good way of putting it i know i want my street rat yeah i want a street rat again that's who i want Um, okay so before we get out of here i want to ask you i thought it was pretty and and maybe this is just a uh consequence of Moss being kind of young when she wrote it, but I feel like sometimes she tries to weave like esoteric lessons that I that don't hit for me. Like, what do you mean? The end of um, uh, whichever book it was where she's in the desert and the the silent master is like, I'm not gonna tell everybody that Anvil or Ansel is the traitor. And it was like at first on surface level, you're like, oh, cool, that doesn't like ruin everybody's, but like. This woman is still alive. This woman directly betrayed her friends, selling them out so she could gain an army so she could go get revenge in her home back. She like sold her friends out and some of them died because of it. And she's still alive. If they meet her, they're going to fall prey to her again. Like she was like an evil person who used them and some of them died because of it. She would do it again. And the silent end, she would do it again. And the silent master is like not going to tell him because it might like hurt their feelings and affect their future self. He didn't even stop her when she knew she was the traitor because he wanted to give her a chance to do the right thing. Like, yeah, well, she I thought that was it. pretty and weak. You doing that killed your people. Like your job yeah. is not to give enemies the chance to do the right thing it's to protect your friends, dude. Like, mm, yeah, that's a good point. It seemed like a cool lesson, but it was like actually just like esoteric trash. They got your friends killed. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I, I agree with that yeah i really do usually i push back on some of your theories and stuff but i just <laughs> I'm like pretty i really agree with that yeah. yeah i do remember reading that and being like oh he wanted to give her a chance to <laughs> yeah because i think you... that's another that's another kind of like you want your cake and you want to eat it too kind of thing yeah, it's like yeah. he has to be this master he has to be so good that like why would he ever get tricked like this so you right. have to like have this kind of throwaway reason where it's like well i wanted to give her a chance to prove this it's just like why would you do that that's such a terrible idea stardust (laughs) lessons that don't mean anything (laughs) like and i think that's just maybe example of like moss writing a lot of this in like her early 20s like i probably would have written that then you know oh my god there's no way i could write something this good in my early 20s absolutely not no (laughs) yeah i mean like i i don't i think moss's writing is pretty solid like especially for having written this at such a young age i mean there are definitely some and i'm talking about like the series as a whole so far because i'm pretty sure she wrote all this all these novellas maybe a little bit later in her life but did she okay yeah she does have a couple like kind of like habits i would say that kind of bugged me a little bit like everybody's just kind of like smiling and grinning at each other like constantly and everything it's just there's like no dialogue exchange where somebody is it's just kind of i feel like a lot of the dialogue is just a little bit like homogenized sometimes where it's just like it's 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 like even before i go into a conversation i know someone's gonna like smile or grin or like the corners of their mouth are gonna twitch up or they're gonna throw some kind of feral grin at somebody and it's just like like almost every conversation (laughs) straight up Uh, and i feel like that's i feel like an editor or somebody should have just been like, Hey, like you said, smile like 250 times in this book. Like, I mean, do you really <laughs> right. need to do that like that many times? But then right, also it doesn't matter sentence. though, really. Um, and then like another thing I noticed, it's not really a critique at all. I mean, I don't have a problem with it, but it's just like a thing that I noticed is that uh, Moss always says that something was like in light. You know what I mean? Like it'll be like this thing in the light of this or this thing in In the light of that gray light of this or in the gold light of this or in like the the morning light or in the afternoon light or it's it's like there's always like she whenever she's talking about something it's like it's it's in this light or in the 
in in the weak light of dawn totally, which adds a certain like contrast to the aesthetic almost which is like good sometimes but like i like, just noticed we can't always it's have like, like a, it's like one of her ways of describing things that she right. seems it's like all writers do this to him i'm not calling her out or anything it's just like uh it's like how sanderson always has characters um scuttling you know what i mean right um, right right and like um george R. R. martin he, he always says uh gray green sentinels whenever he's describing um trees like that's another gray, thing i've noticed sentinels? Like, wow you, like that's yeah very like, or trees trees standing sentinel or like uh yeah like he always uses the word sentinel with trees i've noticed that martin does that a lot oh wow because like one or two of those like that's a great way to describe like kind of a forlorn like oh yeah no it's great but like, but like yeah martin time, does that yeah it's not like constantly or anything but it's, it's like enough that i noticed it you know um on reads or on rereads i should say totally. i mean it's like another i mean it, so many different examples i mean uh tolkien uses the word and so much <laughs> like he uses he loves the word and that might just be like an affectation from you know a hundred years ago or whatever but totally and the flip side of that coin is like you can taste this story like it's so, oh, it's vivid, so and, visceral yeah yeah it's, very, visceral. Very it's just like man it's just a very bright and shiny and um like i think you described her writing once as the if it was a forest it would be the jungle of the forest types and i was like yep no yeah. totally it is yeah there's a lot going on i think her descriptions are good her pacing is good she snaps right to what's interesting a lot of the yeah. time but then she kind of like lingers in what's not sometimes too yeah which is it's odd i mean i feel like her chapters like start and end like exactly where i want them to you know like that's one of Moss's strengths is like as soon as the chapter ends i'm like whoa and then the chapter starts like exactly where it's interesting and i think she just has such a good mind for that and then also sometimes there's just like these conversations from like writing scenes. <laughs> I, I thought that scene was kind of cool actually because they like still kinda, but like sometimes it gets a little like <laughs> I think sometimes we get a little bit like we're gonna do two or three paragraphs of just kind of a little like just dumping stuff just like yeah this was how this was and and this thing did this thing and she felt like this back then when this was like this and it, it's like we're kind of like starting <laughs> right. to kind of like just we're getting like a couple layers removed from like what the actual scene is sometimes right right but i don't know also i mean like again throwing out another author i mean i feel like sanderson does that kind of stuff all the time where it's like okay i can only tell you so many things through conversation and like clever scenes i just want to like tell you what the hell this is you know and right, I, I actually right. as a reader I do appreciate that sometimes because it's like if you can do it seamlessly and sparsely, you know, like where and I think that Moss does this pretty well. It's like she'll have like a cool kind of interesting conversation. And then like Selena's got some introspection and she's thinking about stuff. She's remembering stuff. And then the conversation kind of like continues and then a development happens and like that's the end of the chapter. And we've got all that to work with and we're going to the next one. And it's like she builds it all up like pretty well where you're kind of like carrying all these like ruminations and all this information and world building with you after these kind of like important conversations have happened and it's all kind of mixed together pretty well but sometimes it is dumped a little heavily for my taste personally i couldn't agree more sometimes you're like in the middle of like the like a horse running or a charger about a really exciting moment and the next thing you know you're being told about like this area's like seasonal weather patterns <laughs> or something because it's like she's describing why the rain is there in so abundance you're like right we get it we're in the middle of a charge you know let's focus I uh I feel like some um have you did you watch Attack on Titan? Have you watched a decent amount of that show? Oh yeah, uh yeah, totally. I've seen a few few. There's scenes. like scenes in Attack on Titan where someone's like literally flying through the air, <laughs> and it's like okay, we're gonna stop this. You get we know the grayish, like streaks in the background. <laughs> yeah, and then it's like okay, we're gonna stop this, and then we're gonna do like thirty seconds of this person thinking to themselves, and then we're gonna flash back 
and then they'll be like <laughs> and it's like a 20 minute flashback and then at like the end of the episode it's like them screaming flying through the air again I'm like that's right. the end of the episode <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> you know <laughs> Whoa, we've been on wing so for a not, minute <laughs> yeah so what i'm talking about these info dumps and stuff it's like it's it can always be worse and it can always be like there's so much more <laughs> going on but yeah i mean i'm really excited to get into air of fire i'm excited for this plot to kind of continue where i was excited for it at the end of the second book i think this was a nice little aside i i think after this conversation i can totally see why we should have read it where we did but also i think i'm still kind of I think we should have just read it first, but that's just me. Yeah, I think that'd probably be the be the move moving on, because it certainly would have... A, I would have understood her a lot better. And, like, I don't know, she seemed so... At the beginning of the story, she seemed so distant to the kingdom in my mind. Like, she was, like, a stranger in the castle and to the nobility, which is, she like, is not true at all. Harrison. What now? <laughs> she is the last queen of Terrison, so... Yeah, yeah, she's not a stranger a certain distance, at all. So is her land you know but i thought that it was like it was she was very um i don't know it would have connected her to the story a little bit more but i think it was nice to read it and i'm really excited to do it what is, what is uh top one thing before we leave here what's the top thing that you're excited about uh I'll, I'll go first and mine is to learn more about the king and why she's so afraid of him yeah that i mean that is a big one for sure i mean i'm mostly excited for her to be in was it when wendolin wendover something like wendell yeah wendolin something i think wendolin like, wendola um, Wendel, yeah see some of her like relatives maybe or at least people who kind of care about her in a different way totally i'm surprised it's not called like friendship aisles or something ridiculous. <laughs> oh yeah didn't you dead aisles. We got on. <laughs> skull skull bay like okay dude we get it like, <laughs> where do the pirates live <laughs> right the booty bay like the leaky tavern like <laughs> yeah, no, i read red desert and i was like really red huh <laughs> like <laughs> it's like sometimes we're in that jungle and but, sometimes we're just not <laughs> dude, to be totally fair though we have some pretty horrible names for stuff like we we have a red sea yeah that's like, true we, we have the red sea and it's not red a, a black sea yeah we do have I a do black sea yeah the dead sea that's pretty we have a dead bad. sea that's yeah badass. that's pretty cool and it's like yeah. full of full of salt and so nothing can live yeah, in it you know it's pretty cool that's yeah, pretty cool <laughs> The Dead Sea. The Dead Sea, yeah. We literally have a sea called the Dead, the Dead sea. sea. Yeah, that's really true. We also have a Black Sea, too, and a Red Sea. I wonder why the Red Sea was the Red Sea. Um, Wasn't it because of, like, the sand or, like, the like oh, algae maybe. or something? Probably. Maybe, like, uh, sun setting over it makes it all red or something. Probably a translation error. Does it connect to the Mediterranean up there via the Nile, maybe? Yeah, is that how that goes? Does it go to the Nile, run from the Mediterranean <laughs> to the... I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> Sorry, you did Anyway, that's it. That's, uh, that's, that's it for us today, everybody. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for Era of Fire. Join us next week when we start that. I think we're going to maybe have to start breaking these books up. Maybe not with Era of Fire. I think we could do that in one episode. But uh, Queen of Shadows is like over 600 pages. Is it really? And I think Yeah, the last book, I can't remember the name of the last book. Kingdom of Ash, I think is the last book. That one's like 980 pages long. Oh, like we're gonna wow. yeah it's like a mile book. book i know we're gonna have to split it up i yeah, don't we think we're have gonna have to. to do that um yeah i think maybe we could probably do air of fire and queen of shadows in one episode each but for uh empire of storms tower of dawn kingdom of ash we're gonna have to damn did i just remember all the names wow that was pretty good i think you did yeah all right all right uh, yeah all right splitting these up but anyway uh join us next week everybody for air of fire and uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode we really appreciate it and let us know in the discord if chad and i were off base about anything uh if we made you really upset if we made fun of this book too much uh or too little <laughs> you should <laughs> let us know all listen. of your opinions yep. uh, we have a discord we have a channel specifically dedicated to uh throne of glass and until then until the next episode everybody thank you so much for listening hope you have an amazing rest of your day and of course happy reading bye everybody